Welcome to the Duet Partner Podcast. My name is Nylon. At Duet, we pride ourselves on being the original studio management software for independent music teachers who want to focus on nurturing students, not running a business. Our dedication to teachers remains unwavering. Music is our passion and music teachers are our heroes. In a world that can seem heavy and overwhelmed with challenges, music is the great antidote. Teachers are the enablers, the incubators of future artistic expression. At Duet, we do everything we can to encourage your work, treat you with dignity, and express our gratitude for what you give the world. Striving to be a great teacher is a lifelong pursuit. And at Duet, we want to be your partner for continuing education along the way. This podcast will introduce you to your peers and the masters in your industry so that you can learn and be inspired just as you inspire others. So thanks so much for joining me today, Mage. It's a pleasure to have you on our 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 podcast. So thanks for being with me today. Thank you for having me here. So I'd like to start by asking a little bit about your your background. I'm always curious about how people get into uh, teaching music. Uh, it, it's such a it's such a labor of love. It's a passion uh, profession. Uh, you know, it's as we're going to talk about it today. It's uh, high intensity, high energy. It takes a lot out of you, and so. I, I've usually found, as I've gotten to know music teachers, that there's uh, something driving them to it. And so I'm curious, what what was your musical training like as a child, and, and how did you decide to become a music teacher? All right, so I took multiple music lessons for different instruments. I I knew as a child, even as a child, that I wanted to get the best teachers possible, if possible. I even begged my mom to transfer me to the better teacher in town. I lived in a small city, but um, basically for me, I did a combination of being the band kid. I was in every band that I could be in at school. I was also in the rock bands and metal bands, all that kind of thing as well outside of school. We had after school and before school programs at our school as well. And I also I, I also did the Royal Conservatory of Music, and that was the thing that I wanted to do. And I had to like beg to get to that. And you know, it's it's not it's intense. It's an intense program, but it's really, really, I think, one of the best programs of study out there for um, musical assessment and appreciation alike. Um, yeah, so tell me where you grew up. So this is in this is in Canada, right? The Royal Conservatory in Canada. Yeah, the, actually, the Royal Conservatory of Music is um, in the U.S. as well. It's in both U.S. and Canada, but it's originally from Canada. I grew up in Vancouver Island, which is uh, actually a peninsula, apparently, Beautiful. on in yeah. the west coast of British Columbia. And you know, it was a small city, so I didn't have as many options as people who grew up by. LA or Vancouver or New York or Toronto or something like that. So I, we would have to travel to the band festivals and everything, but uh, music has always been a big part of my life um, since uh, I was little. So, um, and you asked me how I got into teaching. Yeah. So how did you make that, that transition from 
you know, being the band kid and, and loving lots of different instruments to deciding that that's what you wanted to do for others? Well, actually, when I was a teen, I had already started tutoring uh, students in a variety of subjects, including English and math. And I was, I even had contracts that I used because I, I learned quickly, even as a little kid there, well, as a teenager, that I didn't, I didn't, um, if I didn't make a contract, people wouldn't pay me. I would show up oh. and they wouldn't be there. And so I Very learned. clever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. From an early, from, I learned from an early time that this is something you need to do. And so it was quite, um, it was quite like, you know, it, it was applicable. The skills I learned through, uh, tutoring applied to my music teaching. And, and I, you know, as I put myself through university, I was also doing technical support, IT kind of work, that sort of thing. You had to help people. And so helping people always came to me. I always enjoyed helping people. And I think that that's a quality that's required for pretty much anyone who does coaching, teaching, or support for anyone. Tell me about your studio now. Which instruments and styles do you teach? I see I, I've got Maja on video here, even though we're we're just going to be listening to her on a podcast. And she's got all sorts of instruments behind her. And she's very well set up in her studio there. So tell me about your, your current studio and how many instruments do you teach? How many students do you have? Okay, so my studio, Mage Music, comprises of students at different levels uh, and ages. And the instruments that I teach are guitar, piano, electric, bass, and voice. Currently, all students are taking lessons online, either via Zoom or they will use a form of asynchronous learning, uh, which involves them sending video and audio recordings back and forth to me. So it's a very interesting way of teaching in the 21st century. I do believe in excellence. So students who study privately eventually start to look at the Royal Conservatory as part of their certificate program. And I also teach songwriting, uh, music theory, audio recording, composition, that sort of thing too. Wow. You are a hard worker. I, I know that from knowing you and, um, and from your description right there. And it's, it's wonderful to see how you've really taken your, your business acumen and created you know, a really functional studio where you are demanding excellence and doing so much with your, with your teaching. Um, do you have a particular philosophy that, that you follow as a teacher? Do you have sort of any, any um, you know, system of values or one particular method of teaching that, that you really espouse? Well, yes, actually. I have uh, an actual three Ps of the slogan, Right. So the studio philosophy for Mage Music is passion leads to practice, which creates progress. And mm, what I that means, it. yeah, is that you, if you really want to do something, you're going to do it. You're going to practice. You're going to apply yourself. And then knowing that you really, really enjoy or appreciate something will of course, lead to you doing it, practicing it. And then that creates, being a creative artist, of course, progress as well. So if you really like what you're doing, you're going to do it and you're going to get better. So that's what 
the three P's at Mage Music are passion, practice, and progress. So, Mage, we've talked about discussing on this podcast today the idea of burnout. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I know observing teachers and knowing lots of teachers that as a teacher, you're giving so much of yourself all the time. And working with students and parents and schedules and billings can be stressful and uncomfortable even at the best of times, right? But on top of that, a music teacher like you is working to promote all these intangible things too, like expression and artistic creation and self-discovery. And I know it can be exhausting. And especially coming out of COVID, you know, burnout is a real struggle. You've been talking about already how you have been doing lessons online and sending snippets back and forth with your students. That is a lot of work. So tell me, how how can you tell when you're experiencing burnout? I think sometimes you know, it's helpful for us to step back and, and actually discuss how we know when we get to that state where it's just not sustainable anymore. Sure, we're tired. Sure, we're kind of frustrated or annoyed or, um, you know, quick tempered. But but at some point, you kind of have to step back and say, you know what, this this isn't working for me right now. I need something to change. So what's that moment for you? What how do you tell when you experience that that burnout point and something needs to give? Yes. Okay. So I'll tell you the first two things, three things that um, that are true are, are like the. I'll tell you the first three things that are the red flags for me in terms of burnout. The first one is if I'm not eating regularly. Okay. So if you if you're so workaholic like I am that you are putting constantly putting your students before yourself and you feel like you need to give more to them. Sometimes it's easy to skip a meal, especially when you are like me and you can only eat certain foods due to digestive issues, etc. And so food for people like that tends to take longer to make. And so we tend to forego it. And so that's one red flag of how do you know if you're burned out? The next one is if I'm not sleeping. So what I end up doing is I end up working past my business hours beyond when anybody should be working and I'd be awake for way too long and then I'd get only four hours of sleep that night or something and so maybe less. And that is also another uh, flag of burnout. And then finally for me, the other three, the other big flag, there's others as well, as you know, but uh, if I'm not practicing enough for my own creative art, I am an actual artist, so I don't just teach. I create my own music and I perform regularly and I have to be on my game. If I'm not sleeping, if I'm not eating, my mind is not going to be able to operate at peak performance for not just my own music, which requires a lot of coordination. I write all the music, I sing it, I play it. But even for my students, like you mentioned earlier, you could you could start becoming quick temper. You start resenting your students, even though you you they're they're great and you're you're really dedicated to your studio. Even I, I'm a very I would say I would be a dedicated teacher because I give so much to the students, and I, I'm sure a lot of teachers could say the same. But there comes this this line, this where you you must you must actually draw this line. And for me. One of the important things is establishing business hours, okay? So knowing when you're going to start 
working and when you're going to stop working. And also setting expectations, letting your clients know when they can expect a response. Um, and business hours don't just include teaching hours. They include administration and they include following up with clients. And in my case, asynchronous learning as well. And so, and also professional development. There's a lot more than just teaching. And so we need to decide when are we going to eat? When are we going to sleep? When are we going to teach? When are we going to do the admin work? When are we going to do our marketing? And when are we going to take time out for ourselves? And this is something that we tend to forget to do, at least in my experience, talking with other music teachers. That is such fantastic advice. Um, you wear so many different hats as a music teacher and building all of that into your schedule is such a, a such a brilliant way to really keep yourself um, focused and, and available for, for your students. What is it just an act of discipline when you get to the end of a certain block of time that you've set aside and say, okay, now it's time for me to move on? How do you resist the temptation to, uh, to let those, those hours bleed into each other? Um, for instance, if you get to the end of your administration period and you say, okay, now it's time for me to move on to being that creative self or, um, you know, moving on to some other part of your identity, doing my ad, my, my billing or my schedule. How do you, how do you sort of discipline yourself, uh, to, to be clear about that? Because, you know, a lot of us are working from home, teachers are working from home, but even more than normal, you know, music teachers often, uh, work from their homes just on a, on, you know, outside of COVID times, right? You have your studio in your home, et cetera. So what do you do to make sure that those times don't bleed into each other and you don't, you resist that temptation to let that, those activities bleed out? Yes. And that temptation is pretty high. I'll tell you on my end, cause I just want to work, 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 and it's hard to stop. So to create discipline, and I even give the same advice to, to teachers and students, I put the important hats, the administrative time, the teaching, the practicing, the creative artist, blah, 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 into Google Calendar uh, and Apple Calendar because you can use your Google Calendar and Apple Calendar. So by using a digital calendar and setting reminders for when you have to be at a meeting, when you have to teach, when you have to practice, and sticking to that, and also realizing you only have enough this much time to do something and you're going to have to settle for less than your best because all you have is 45 minutes to get that thing done. Sometimes we just have to let it go. And being a perfectionist, it's hard to do that. But we, we have only so much time to do so many things. Another thing that I do, in addition to setting um, my activities in the calendar and putting alarms within those activities, multiple reminders like, 10 minutes before, five minutes before, 24 hours before, is I set alarms. You, you know the app, uh, the clock app on your iPad or iPhone or Apple Watch, right? Um, I, I'm an Apple person, Apple certified technician, so of course my stuff is Apple. Um, you can set reminders for like whenever a student's lesson starts or ends. At my studio, it's a doorbell. So students, when they hear... First, they hear a choo-choo train, which is triggered by the event in Google Calendar that says, oh, five minutes warning, and it tells us that there's another student in five minutes or another activity in five minutes. It doesn't have to be a student, but a lot of times it is. 
So they hear the choo-choo train. They know we've got five minutes to wrap it. And when they hear the doorbell, just like at school, they know, oh, got to go. She's got another student. She's got another thing or whatever, right? And so, yeah, you need to be able to set those, those hours, set those activities, and also let your clients know when it's done too. That's important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no, that's brilliant. I love it. Um, yeah, I've, I've seen other teachers use those, those alarms pretty liberally, and it sounds like you do that too, and I love that. Another uh, great guideline that um, I'm familiar with that a teacher uh, uses that I know is that she requests that the parents of her students only email her, right? So, so text is only for when you're going to say, I'm late to my lesson or I need something, you know, within an immediate time frame, And then that enables her to, to use that separate administration time that she's set aside in her calendar to go through all of that communication at her own pace and on her own time. So you're not like answering texts all day long and getting distracted by your, your students' needs. So I love all of those sort of fences that you've put around your time and your needs. But you know, as we were saying earlier, even with those things in place, you still get get burned out, right? Um, Absolutely. So, so when you find that you're not, um, you know, you're not eating the way you want, and you're not sleeping the way you want, and you're not creating the way you want, what do you do? What are your What are your tactics? Well, something's got to give, and if you cannot give any more, you've got to get rid of the. You, you've got to stop giving more. Actually, you've got to get rid of things that aren't giving to you things that aren't nourishing you. And, you know, one of the things I think is important is, and maybe some teachers might, might not like me saying this, but you got to charge a professional rate. You also have to look at your budget and needs and, and your, your own, like where you're, where you're, you're, you're renting your studio or you're living or whatever, and make sure that you decide how many students can, um, do I uh, do I want to teach? Am I able to do well? Right? What kind of studio do you have? Is this, is this a high level studio? Do you have different plans so that some students get more time than others, and some that are on a lighter plan, like a more lightweight plan, or some are more are on a more intense plan that includes more bells and whistles, or you know other features that the lower tier plans don't get? Right? So. That's the first thing I'd say is to make sure you know how much you want to charge and make sure I'm going to repeat advice I received from a master teacher. Make sure that you are, you are being paid for all the time that you're doing. Think about this. If you work outside of your business hours, you're actually working for free. They don't want to do that. Right now, that being said, sometimes I will, I'll admit, I do enjoy watching my students' videos and sometimes I'm eating my lunch and watching the videos, but I have to be in like a good state to be able to do that. And it usually has to be during one of my working days, but definitely um, making sure you charge enough, making sure that you are working when you're supposed to be working is going to help. Uh, what, what else did you mention? I, I want to make sure I address all the points. Well, just, yeah, what... what what do you change in your routine when you when you say that this isn't this isn't sustainable for right now? I mean, do you you know when you're in a state of burnout, do you focus on increasing the amount of sleep that you get each night? Do you cut back on any of your students? Do you yes. uh, find ways to outsource the administration of your studio to you know products like Duet? Right? Um, Absolutely. Yes. What are, what are some actions that that you take? 
to to really find more time for yourself so that you can eat and sleep and create. Yes. One of the things that I actually do is I do my music practice at the beginning of the day in case I have no steam or energy left to do it later. Now, I learned the hard way that if I haven't had a meal yet, um, because I do all my working out in in the morning as well, and if I haven't had a meal yet, my practicing doesn't end up being efficient. So I actually have to schedule when I'm eating and schedule when I'm practicing I also have to decide when I'm going to go to bed and when I'm going to wake up. And it might not be a standard time as others, but it's got to at least be six hours or more for me in terms of the sleep. And yeah, like I was mentioning, if you charge enough, you might not need so many students, right? And, and that's the thing. For me, I do have a high-level studio. I spend a lot of time with each student. So having fewer students that... Um, that are more committed and invested in learning makes more sense to me. But I do also have another tiered plan where it's more asynchronous learning. But then I also have to schedule times for when I'm viewing those videos and audio recordings and only views them then. Another thing that I do, because students often have lots of questions for me in between their lessons, I actually schedule two live synchronous office hours where students can meet in Zoom in case they had a question in between their regularly scheduled lesson if they're on a weekly lesson plan. So those are things that I do. And then you, another thing that I do when I feel the burnout is if there's a certain type of lesson I don't like teaching, I, I might have to stop offering it. Um, I realized that although my group classes have been quite successful, that sometimes it can be challenging when I am scheduled to teach a group class and then students don't show up or students show up to the class and they're not practicing. And so sometimes it's not even the money. It's more of the quality, right? Sometimes I'd rather be practicing than teaching a student that doesn't practice. So, you know, you have to decide what your limits are and also put them in your studio policy. Um, And then, just, just really limit which days you're going to work. Another thing that I'm trying to do, because I've worked weekends my entire life, I'm going to try to get my Saturdays back, at least partially, and I'm going to try to stop my teaching at 5 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays, but I, I often feel guilty, but people want lessons then. But here's the thing about self-care. you got to do what feels right for you. And for me, I cannot stand teaching weekend evenings, um, and I, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to eventually stop it. (laughs) Yeah, that's such great, great advice. I love how how disciplined you are about all of that. Why do you think it's so important for music teachers specifically to participate in some of this, you know, boundary and self-care that you're talking about? Uh, You know, as I mentioned at the beginning, I, I think being a music teacher is such an interesting combination of skills, lots of tangible business logistics skills, but then you're also inspiring students not just to learn their times tables or something, but to create and express themselves, right? Um, and all teaching is so valuable and so um, so so taxing. But I think music teaching especially has that special emotional component to it. And do you do you feel that when you get burned out? I mean, is that is that part of the reason that it's important for you to stay on top of your game? Yes. Uh, So in our profession of independent music teacher, 
what happens is that sometimes it's easy to be taken advantage of by others because people people have a very unique uh, business relationship with their music teachers, right? We we people because it's the arts. People tend to open up about their fears, about their joys, and you 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 know you. I always start all my lessons with a soft start. We call it so that students can feel comfortable before we get started. And I use that time to check their audio too. Sometimes they don't know I'm doing it, but I'm doing it. They know it. But yeah, and I ask them the first question I ask is how's your practice going? And so, you know, because we have such a, it, it's such like a close uh, professional relationship with our students, their families and whatnot, um, we need to make sure that people realize that although that is there, we are providing a service and we are a professional and our time is valuable. So yes, emotionally, they value us. We value them too. I, I have students I've taught for years and, you know, it's, it's almost like, it, it, like I, I try to treat all my students equally like they're part of the same, you know, family or business family if you look at it like that, right? And so if we don't draw these lines, people are going to run over us like a tractor and try to go, oh, can I have another 10 minutes at the end of the lesson? I, I really, really need help with this. But no, you you have to say, we got five minutes left. It's over, right? And and say it in a more friendly way than I just did. But like I said, using those those bells and those those alerts and people will start to cue in and start to follow them too. So by setting up the tone and by, um, you know, making the make of predictable expectations almost it it'll allow people to respect our time more it'll allow us to value our time more and it'll allow us to perform at peak performance and potentially enjoy maybe not every minute but most of the minutes of teaching right so that it's something that we can give to willingly without sacrificing too much of our our own health right because that is the thing i think that we need to be able to do is to take care of ourselves if we want to give more to others i know it sounds cliche but it's true <laughs> yeah i mean i think you're exactly right that was a fantastic answer and a fantastic look into you know how you've been able to to shape your teaching profession so that it's fulfilling to you and so that you can keep up your energy and your devotion to what you do and to your students while still caring for yourself. So this is the moment for shameless self-promotion. How does Duet help you do some of these things that you've been describing? You're a Duet user. Uh, tell us what you use Duet for and, and how it helps you run your studio and keep those limitations so that you can stay sane and happy and, and, and be a great teacher. Okay, first of all, yes, I will plug it too. Love Duet, okay? With Duet, it uh, it actually eliminates the need for me to hire an administrator or an assistant. I know other teachers that pay hourly wages to assistants and stuff, right? Because they are overwhelmed with administration. I have never had an assistant for my business, even though I'm on the internet and I'm a super, super busy teacher and artist. Duet allows me to bill students automatically 
and have the payments taken out of a credit or debit card or even PayPal if they prefer that. Most of my studio uses uh, credit and debit and they use the, the industry's most secure and uh, well-known uh, payment processor, Stripe. So, you know, that's like the same one I think that Target uses, double check, but yeah, other other like brands are using Stripe. So it's like super secure, right? And it's easy to use. And so it, it also stops you from looking like the bad guy because, hey, everything comes out automatically. You don't have to type in and make a typo at 3 a.m. and you put the zero after the dot and now there's too many zeros and you put 300 instead of $30 or something, right? It does it for you, right? It, it just takes out whatever you tell Duet to do, it'll do, Duet do, right? <laughs> And the other thing too is I could tell how many students are in my studio, whether they're active students, whether they are former students. I can even create a lead list um, and have multiple students from the same uh, family or billing account. And people, my, my clients can go in and sign in and see how much they've been, they've been billed. They can update their uh, payment information. And uh, the other thing that I think is really important is that Duet has a lot of very good teachers that can support you with your business and with teaching questions and with the actual software. It's made for teachers by teachers, unlike some of the other ones out there where, it, you know, there's this, this Duet uh, partner actually literally is your partner. We're here to support uh, your independent music teaching business. And I think that's really important when it comes to picking um, your program of choice, your platform for the studio administration, like the billing, et cetera. It's good to pick something that has that support as well, because you could pick anything. There's some that may cost less, but they don't, they don't include as much, or there's some that might be comparable, but like, do, do they have, do they understand you as a music teacher? Do they have people that can help you if you need some advice for how to run your, your music teaching business, right? And um, I think that's where we cut above the rest. So to wrap up, Mage, would you tell me about one inspirational music teacher in your life and what made them so special? Who's just one who really stood out to you as, as a special music teacher in your life and why were they so special? Okay. I will start then with my main piano teacher when I was a child, and that was Dr. Gloria J. Venning. She stood out to me because I knew she was the best teacher in the city. I really, really wanted to study with her. And she was so funny, yet she was super strict. And she made you work super hard until you really got it. She also believed in me and not only helped me with my piano technique and music theory and knowledge of music and musicianship, she also helped me, uh, you know, enter my original music into national competitions, including Canada Music Week. And one time I entered and got second place in all of Canada. And it was because of her that I had that opportunity and she had me redo everything until it looked really good. And I got that second place. Um, and definitely the way I run my studio is inspired by Dr. Venning. And uh, when she passed away two days after Christmas, once when I was uh, young, 
I, I cried and cried, but uh, I keep her spirit alive through my business at Mage Music. So thank you, Dr. Fenning.